Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, Mash. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan, so today I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite short-lived TV series? Oh man, Uh, so for a while there, when I was watching TV in high school, everything that I liked ended up getting canceled. Uh, It was just one (laughs) of those things where I, I was like cursed. But I would have to say that my favorite, like, short-lived TV show, one that, like, only ran for, for two seasons and then nothing else, there's not going to be a revival or, or anything, was uh, Flight of the Concords on HBO. Uh, oh, are you familiar that. at all with Flight of the Concords? I remember the title of the show, but I don't know anything about it. Okay. Um, so it's these two musicians from New Zealand just kind of living in New York. And having, like, very awkward uh, adventures around the city. And it's a musical series. There's, like, multiple songs every episode. It's great. Uh, Jermaine Clement and Brett... I forget what Brett's last name is. But it's (laughs) Jermaine Clement who uh, went on to do so many things. Like, he's in a lot of Disney stuff. He wrote songs for the Muppet movies. The ones with Jason Segel. This very small show that lasted for two seasons just about two guys hanging out in the city is like one of the most influential tv shows of the last 20 years now and i love it it's so good it's such its own vibe and i wish it went on longer but they decided to end it over the course of two seasons and one of the writer directors of it went on to make the jojo rabbit and Thor Ragnarok, like Taika Waititi, he came from that show. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I didn't know that either. That's awesome. I should watch it. Oh, it's great. You might hate it because it's just like awkward <laughs> humor. Uh, it's very slow and kind of boring. Uh, but what are what are your favorite short-lived TV shows? So I have a couple. First, I think this is a pretty popular take, but Freaks and Geeks definitely needed more mm. than one season. But along those same lines, there's this show that's very similar to Freaks and Geeks. It's a little more, like, I would say dramatic. It's called My So-Called Life. Mm, and it Jared is... Leto, baby. <laughs> yes. The so... Lord, I hate that man. I can't <laughs> tell you why. I just don't so like him. He is, um, this is, like, one of his first acting roles. He was, like, maybe 20. Um, he's not the main character. The main character... Her name in the show is Angela Chase, but God, she was the actress from Homeland. I don't remember. I, it's, I'm blanking right now, but amazing. Loved her. Loved that show. Loved everything about it. It was so 90s and it was it was just the best. I remember I watched the entirety of the show because it was one season in one weekend one time with my mom, who also loved the show when it first aired. And a funny thing about the show, it was it was canceled after one season, but it had gained such like a cult teenage following that they wanted to bring it back for uh, more seasons. But the main actress and Jared Leto, they couldn't make their schedules work because he started doing music around that time. Um, yeah. And she was doing other acting things, obviously. So unfortunately, My So-Called Life never got a second season. And it ended on a cliffhanger. Oh, so annoying. Oh, no. So bad. Doesn't Ugh. Freaks and Geeks end on a cliffhanger, too? I don't uh, remember. I think it might. So many shows do. I haven't seen Freaks and Geeks or My So-Called Life, but my sister watched both in high school, and she loved them both. I want to watch Freaks and Geeks. 
Uh, I have no idea what my so-called life is about, but my sister was just a big fan of Jared Leto's band. <laughs> yeah, and, I feel uh, that. was like, oh, he's an actor. Uh, so she watched the show, and then, like, I don't know, a few years after she watched that show, she he was in the Dallas Buyers Club, and he won an Oscar, and she was like, oh, it's weird that the guy that I like from a band is, like, an Oscar winner. <laughs> What is what is my soul called life actually about though? It's about being a teenager, basically. <laughs> like mm-hmm. think about freaks and geeks, but more dramatic, basically, is is what it is. Live um, action Daria. I would say that it's less funny than Daria, maybe. Okay. But <laughs> it's definitely try it definitely tries to be a lot more dramatic, but it also comes off so like teenage angsty, which makes it funny and like as a teenager, I was very self-aware that I was angsty, so I knew that this show was angsty, and I liked it because it was angsty, and I was like, this is funny because it's pathetic, and it's just so fun. It was it was great. I thought that the writing was actually really good with, like, characterization and everything. Ugh. I could go on about my so-called life for, like, hours. <laughs> I really could. But we're not gonna do that. <laughs> yes, we, uh, we've been derailed so much in these last few recordings, let me tell you. <laughs> The last one we recorded was 50 minutes. I don't know how to, what I cut it down to, but we're going to try to really stay on topic. <laughs> and by that, I mean that our topic that we're talking about now, short-lived TV shows, actually ties into the episode that we're talking about because Ron Howard, a very famous man who's done a lot of things, is a guest star on this episode and... He was the narrator of the short-lived TV show, Until It Wasn't, Arrested Development, which I love. (laughs) First three seasons are incredible, and then the Netflix seasons are trash. I don't know if that's a controversial opinion, but they're they're objectively (laughs) very bad. Um, So let's just get into discussing young Ron Howard on this episode of MASH, which (laughs) was incredible. Do you want to talk about what this episode was? Yes. So I really, really love this episode. So this episode was called Sometimes You Hear the Bullet. And in it, Hawkeye is reunited with this childhood friend of his uh, named Tommy, who joined the army to write a firsthand account about the atrocities of going to war. And unfortunately, some stuff happens after we meet Tommy. But this was just an incredible, incredible episode. One of my absolute favorites. Yes. I think at the end of the season, we have to do our top five favorite episodes mm-hmm. of the season. I think that's something that would be really fun. And uh, we'd be hard, hard pressed to find a better one than this. Because this was truly like full stop an incredible episode of television. Yeah. MASH is often like regarded as the first like dramedy series like Mm -hmm. comedy drama and we've had some dramatic stuff in the last few episodes we've seen like the one where they make a movie was a little bit like had a kind of a gut punch at the end but this one was they they did the drama very well and I think it's a very defining episode of this, the early run. Yeah, I have to agree. This one was probably, if not in the entire series, definitely in season one, the most like hard-hitting with its drama and with its anti-war message. 
Uh, there was there was so much. There is so much to unpack in this episode with the quotes and the storyline in general. I just the acting is also amazing from Alan yes. Alda in particular. Oh my god, just fantastic. Or even Ron Howard, I thought was very good in this episode. Yeah, and we'll absolutely. we'll get to him. Yeah, so let's get into the um just the more plot of the episode. So yeah. <laughs> it starts out pretty funny where Frank and Margaret are on a date and they are they're meeting in her tent and Frank hurts his back when he's in Margaret's tent and of course they have this whole affair going on that they can't nobody can know about even though everyone knows and so Frank's like stuck like he hurt his back he threw out his back right he and- looks like the L block in a Tetris game <laughs> like he's just shaped like that <laughs> and so Margaret's like oh my god like we can't call for help because they'll know that you know we were like about to hook up <laughs> and so what they... everyone knows yeah so they throw Frank into the mud outside of Margaret's tent <laughs> I thought that that was so ridiculous I was like wow that's that's honestly so <laughs> yeah so this, on point this opening slapstick was definitely the uh the sugar to make the medicine go down because really yeah. kind of after this opening bit which again is very like goofy and frank like dips margaret and in the process like just the way he's bent he looks like the l block in tetris like his legs are up his back is like sideways it's <laughs> ridiculous and it was it was definitely one of the like broader jokes in the show. Just like he looks weird now, and he's like in pain. And isn't that funny? Uh, <laughs> yeah, this was actually just like a small part of the episode. Well, it ties in later. It does tie in. I would say I like that Frank's not in it that much, honestly. <laughs> well, not much room for him in, yeah. in this. <laughs> so then Frank is in the post-op because he is like i don't know they they have him like suspended in like a weird like yeah. chin strap his legs are tied to the bed to like suspend him never so had a back, back injury is... before Vanessa. no no i have never had a back injury before and i've never seen anyone who has i have i i had a back injury when i was like seven so i have no memory of what they actually like did to <laughs> me to make it better but I, I did fracture my back once. That's a, that's a story for another time. Uh, but <laughs> so you don't remember if they suspended you up in the air like I Frank? I don't think they did. Okay, <laughs> so it was like it was like traumatic, you know. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, fractured I my back imagine. on a school trip, and then I have literally no memory of what actually happened, <laughs> other than coming home, and because of this injury. My uncle, like, sent me a PlayStation 2, like, <laughs> as I recovered, and that's how I got a PlayStation 2, and I just, that's all I really remember about it, <laughs> because it was a long time ago, and I've spent a lot of time in hospitals. I don't know if they suspended me like that. I don't think they did. <laughs> <laughs> really keeping on track in this one. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I'm so sorry that you can't add more to our show about being suspended to a bed, uh, even though you just told a very traumatic story about your back breaking. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so, like, while we're getting Frank recovering from this back injury that he had, 
He's applying for a purple heart, which is the medal that you get when you get injured in war. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> Frank is always the worst man in any situation. It's literally, it's like the most Frank Burns thing that you could possibly get of like, tripping in the mud quote unquote even though that's he not what he did hurt his back and making out with a girl <laughs> whoa and he's applying for a purple heart and i loved hawkeye's line in this when he said henry you're not going to endorse this idiot's application are you and then margaret's like that's major and like angry that he called him an idiot and then uh hawkeye goes henry you're not gonna endorse this major idiot's application are you i loved that that was like yes. my favorite line <laughs> I love that. But yeah, this this opening bit, they do incorporate it really well with him applying for the Purple Heart uh, as it goes on. But it's kind of sidelined because uh, Hawkeye runs into an old friend of his in the in the hospital. Yeah, so this guy comes in and he's like begging for Hawkeye. He has his hands over his face and they're like, oh no, what's wrong? What's wrong? And then it turns out to be this childhood friend of Hawkeye's named Tommy. And he just like grabs Hawkeye and hugs him. And it's such an adorable scene where they're, they're like reunited in that moment. They're like, oh my God, what are you doing here? Because apparently he's a, he's a reporter or like a writer. And he's like, why are you in the war? It's great. It's uh, a really they, they set up Tommy very well. I I like that he's a reporter. Uh, I wonder if that was a a tie-in to uh, Mash was originally a book about like a kind of true life account of army doctors, mm -hmm. and I wonder if that was like a subtle allusion to Mash originally being kind of a true life story. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I didn't even think of that. So. Hawkeye invites Tommy back to the swamp and he and Hawkeye and Trapper are all drinking together and Hawkeye asks him like why are, why are you here why are you why are you actually fighting in the war because he's he I guess enlisted or is a soldier and he asks Tommy why are you not uh, a correspondent and Tommy explains why and it was it was such a hard-hitting moment oh yeah there's a pin drop in this oh do you want to talk about why tommy's like actually there yes because he he says that correspondents don't get the full experience so he's he's on the front lines and he's explaining that he's writing this book about how well it's about the war in general but it's named after this kid soldier who's like this idyllic blonde soldier, like the one that they would put in the movies. He was like next to him and suddenly, uh, without hearing the bullet, the, the kid just gets like shot and, and dies. And this kid tells Tommy like, oh, I didn't hear the bullet. And this is such a tone shift. This is mm. such a hard left turn into like war is hell kind of thing yeah uh, it goes from isn't it funny that frank uh injured his back and like look how much fun these guys are having talking to each other to like a, a pin could drop and you're like yeah i don't really know what to say what do you have to say about this so in that scene after tommy explains war is not like the movies because he said that in the war movies you always hear this like ricochet to kind of indicate that someone's gonna die like the main character or whoever it is the hero of the movie and he explained that it's not like that in real life and after that like you said you can hear a pin drop it's this it's this pause and i thought that that was so well placed because mm -hmm. it kind of gave 
the audience like a second to internalize that because uh, we're not doing it justice of how he explains it because he explained it really beautifully and yes. you get to kind of take that all in in that moment when Hawkeye and Trapper are just like wow this is this is crazy like this is terrible war is so bad yes I mean this show is out like from minute one is very critical of the the army and the war and all of that but this is one of the first times where uh, they they really just like just stop and be like we're in a really bad situation. Yeah, it's very well done, and this actor who plays Tommy, I thought did a, just a really excellent job. This episode, like, really kind of nails this role. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely one hundred percent agree with that. And there's this kind of like tonal shift going on throughout the whole episode, like with different scenes. And right after this, you get, it's kind of like funnier um, because this is where our, we're introduced to Ron Howard's character. Who is called Ronnie Howard in the, in the credits, right? Because <laughs> really? that's how early it is in his career. He's still Ronnie Howard. That is so funny. That is hysterical. We have a lot to say about Ron Howard. We'll get to him in a <laughs> yes. minute. We don't want to derail everything. <laughs> Just be like, Ron Howard, love him. Uh, but Ron Howard rules. And I love how he was introduced in this episode. Because uh, when he's young, he's very distinctive. He has very clear red hair. And I wasn't sure if that was him. Because I remembered this episode, of course. Like, how could you forget this? And when they're in the OR and Ron Howard's there, they don't show his face for a while, but you see, like, the red hair. I'm like, oh, is that Ron Howard? <laughs> and then it is Ron Howard. And his storyline was also so well woven into this story. It was so good. Yeah. So Ron Howard, his character, Wendell who's his real name is Walter, which is, I thought, funny. Mm -hmm. He is this 15-year-old kid who took his brother's birth certificate and enlisted in the, in the I'm sorry, he's in the Marines. So this is some, like, hardcore stuff. And he's yes. there for an appendectomy because his appendix just exploded. It wasn't because he actually got hurt in battle. So if not for this, like, very, like, Obviously, it can happen to anybody, but this like childhood kind of thing where your appendix bursts, he wouldn't have been found out because Hawkeye and Trapper were both saying this kid looks way too young to be 20 or 18 or old enough at all. In fact, Hawkeye even said, I guess if they're tall enough to reach the trigger, they're old enough to enlist because that's how young Ron Howard looked in this episode. I'm not sure how old Ron Howard actually was, but he was he... 18. Oh, nice. So he really was kind of this really fresh-faced kid, and he's been acting forever. Again, we're going to get into it, but just this whole thing was really good. I thought Ron Howard performed really well, and I again, I related to the injury aspect because I've also had an appendectomy. <laughs> this apparently is the Ethan surgery injury <laughs> hour where I let you in on maybe too much of my life. But I've also had an appendectomy. I cannot say it. I've had my appendix taken out. Uh, so that's fun. I related to that as well. And this whole thing with Ron Howard saying how much younger he is. Because they, they clock it immediately, like, they're not fooling it, or he's not fooling anyone. 
because even Hawkeye asks him, like, oh, how old are you? And he's like, oh, I'm 20. And then he, like, immediately, without even, like, much prodding, is like, no, I'm actually 18. And that's a lie, too, but, like, he, he immediately backpedaled without any pushback. God, I don't know. Again, I don't really know what to say because it's just, like, this is a good episode. <laughs> and this scene, too, where Hawkeye is first uh, introduced to Ron Howard's character, <laughs> I I noted, I, I'm sure that you heard it, too, but uh, Ron Howard's character used uh, the same anti-Asian slur that yeah, okay. they said in last the last episode. And I was like, wow. Two episodes and two slurs. Cool. Great. But in this one, Hawkeye uh, definitely like rebuts it rather than let it slide like he did in la- the last episode. And it kind of tied in with the whole theme of like war just being terrible because Ron Howard uses uses this slur and obviously, you know, not okay. And Hawkeye says... They're, they're Koreans. They're people. Yeah. Hawkeye says another word for that is people. Like, you know, hello. Yeah. Like, where... <laughs> We're, we're fighting a war and it's, it's people. So I thought that that was handled pretty well. No, I thought it was great. Because last episode, it was kind of said offhandedly and not rebuttaled at mm-hmm. all. But that was kind of to make the Leslie Nielsen character feel more like a bad guy. Yeah. But this one, I think it really spoke to... Because Ron Howard's character enlisted in the war as a 15-year-old entirely to impress a girl in high school <laughs> uh which is ridiculous but that does happen like that's a very like teenage uh mentality i'm sure like mm-hmm. uh, you go back this has happened before and him using this like racial slur kind of spoke to i think him viewing the war as like not a game but like not something like he wasn't mature enough yet to kind of comprehend everything the way they used it, I thought was very good for story purposes. And the way that Hawkeye corrects him shows that he's not like a bad guy. He's just, you know, a young kid who's kind of in over his head and wants to be more macho than he really is. Yeah, I I thought that, again, this tied in so well with the theme of this really kind of anti-war message because you have a literal child fighting in a real war and... Like, this child is showing the audience, like, his, like, childhood ambitions of, like, why he wants to even be in the war in the first place and how he doesn't really, he can't really, like, fully grasp why he's even there because (laughs) the reason that he enlisted was for this, like, such childlike purpose. And it really, for me, drove home the fact that the show was trying to get at this war is being fought by kids. And yeah. You know, it was just, I thought it was really well done. It's very good. This episode is, uh, remember how the cowboy episode was, (laughs) according to this, like, Time article, was, like, the episode of season one? I'm like, did you only watch five episodes of season one? Like, this was right here. This is right here. This is a defining episode. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to bring this up, too, because I just keep going back to how many how many like better episodes there were than Cowboy as like a classic MASH episode. And we'll get into it a little bit later on, but there's a quote in this that's like everyone uses when they talk about MASH. And I, I was like, how, how did they pick Cowboy over this? 
like insane to me just insane and i liked cowboy when we watched it but now every time i see a superior episode (laughs) i'm like oh yeah no cowboy's kind of trash actually why did they list this one as like tv guide was wrong yeah tv guide's a hack (laughs) nobody uses you anymore we all have uh, digital guys in our tv get out of here so at the end of this little scene with Hawkeye and Wendell, who is actually Walter, Hawkeye says to him, hey, listen, like, you know, I'm not here to rat you out. As long as your appendix heals, go on your way. I don't really care what you do. I don't care. Well, his appendix not healed. It's gone. Well, yeah, his like surgery his like, yeah. So (laughs) you know what I mean. (laughs) And then again, we get this other massive tonal shift where they're in the ER again, and Hawkeye's working on a bunch of patients. It seems like, you know, not not that they're, like, really swamped with a lot of people, but then they bring in this person who is in really bad shape. And it's a chest wound, so they call Hawkeye over, and it turns out that it's Tommy, his friend, who had went back to the front lines and was hit with a bullet in the chest, mm-hmm. in the heart. And... and this was uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, this was played so well. This was just legitimate medical drama. And it wasn't over the top. It wasn't like a soap opera. This was Hawkeye trying to save his friend. And everyone around him knows immediately, like, this guy is not, like, there's nothing we can do. Um, And it was so, so well done. Just, again... The fact that there's no laugh track in no R scenes, not that there would be, but like in theory, you could put like an awe or whatever, mm-hmm. an audience reaction. But because there is none, this is just played so intensely. Yeah. And you can really feel the emotion of it. I was so surprised at how effective just everything felt in this. Uh, it was so, so good. <laughs> Yeah, and you get the title of the episode because previously Tommy had said, you know, you you don't hear the bullet or whatever, whatever the book title was going to be. And then right before he, he passes away on the table, he says to Hawkeye, you know what's funny? Like, I, I heard the bullet. And mm-hmm. Hawkeye says to him, well, you'll you'll just change the book title. Sometimes you hear the bullet. It's a better book title anyway. And it's like one of the last things that he says to him. And, you know, then then Tommy passes away and Hawkeye is really ready to try everything he can to save him. And Henry is like, you know, stop. It, it's not going to work. It's like, no, it's 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 no good. And when he says, like, give me the knife, you can really feel the emotion in that. I think Alan Alda is incredible in this episode. <laughs> when Henry says, Pierce, go help McIntyre, like, you know, we're like, just leave it. The look on Alan Alda's face was just like, honestly, it's it's something that I have remembered from like childhood watching it. I'm not even kidding. Mm -hmm. Like when I, when this episode came up on her deck to watch, I was like, oh my God, they're going to have that scene with like Hawkeye's just like piercing blue eyes, just like looking just completely broken. nothing else. That's that's what's kind of incredible about it is that it's all his eyes because he's wearing a surgical mask. Um. And I'm just saying, like, maybe Alan Alda is the greatest TV actor <laughs> to ever live uh, because he, he sold so much 
with just a look of his eyes and i'm like always so jealous of any actor who can has that much control over their face that they can express so much with so little it's so i i just keep saying it but this episode is truly incredible television (laughs) uh like full stop like i don't care who you are you could watch this and just be like yep Yep, that's, Again, that's an effective piece. TV Guide was wrong. This is the classic MASH episode. <laughs> but then what's even more impactful, I think, and really, again, like kind of drives home the anti-war, anti-military, like militarism message that it is afterwards when Henry goes to like see how Hawkeye's doing because Hawkeye walks out of the OR and you get this back shot of Hawkeye and he says to Henry, I've never cried. Like, this is the first time I cried since I came here. And then you, the camera pulls around to Hawkeye and Alan Alda's crying, or at least like he's supposed to be crying. And I can only imagine that that was kind of like really hard hitting in the 1970s when you still had kind of like a men are manly men, like men don't cry kind of attitude going on. And I don't know that it was just it was just so well done. I just absolutely yes. loved it. So I I did not cry watching this. Not to sound like a manly man, I cried <laughs> literally everything. I've cried at Guardians of the Galaxy two, uh, but man, when he was cry- like I was legit like misty eyed. I was like very yeah. close to actually crying. Did did you cry? I know you've seen this uh, more than I have. I think the reason that I didn't actually shed any tears, I was misty eyed too when. Tommy died and then this this scene after I was misty eyed but I didn't cry because I have seen it like seven times so mm-hmm. <laughs> I was desensitized of course but I forget what they actually said during this I got you I got you I wrote this shit down I don't want to mess it up <laughs> so I wrote it down exactly <laughs> this whole exchange was I I applaud everyone involved like not to oversell like i don't think we're overselling this no because it was just really good but this whole section was so emotional and it didn't feel out of place or melodramatic like it felt just very authentic and very like real and like this is a show that can be very funny but it's also a show that can kind of go for it with emotions and this is a real showcase for that so This quote that I was mentioning before was from Henry. Henry says, All I know is what they taught me in command school. There are certain rules about a war, and rule number one is young men die, and rule number two is doctors can't change rule number one. And I don't think I've ever seen anyone discuss MASH without discussing that quote because it is so quintessential to the show, I feel. It is really Mm -hmm. what the show was about. And... And in this moment, you get this scene of the back of Hawkeye's head, like it's it's Hawkeye, and then Henry is talking to Hawkeye, but he's not looking at the camera, but you know, you're on Henry's face. And I really felt that Henry was talking to the audience at this point as well, kind of, again, driving home this message that reminding the audience that, yeah, you're watching this show, right, about these doctors, and it's pretty lighthearted most of the time, and they save a lot of their patients and stuff like that, but you know, all these wonderful doctors are not going to stop men from dying in a war and we shouldn't be sending people off to die in a war. And it was just so, so amazing. I just absolutely can't get over this scene. Yes, that's a very good quote. 
that's an incredible quote actually um it didn't quite hit me in in the moment because it was just kind of uh everything everything happening you know it was like in context but like that's the kind of quote and it's from a tv show but like if you're reading a book or whatever and like that's the opening uh epigraph you'd be like yeah that's that's a good quote yeah uh you wouldn't even think twice of it being like from a comedy show that's yeah uh that's kind of incredible and i've said this before but man oh man uh scrubs kind of ripped off mash in every every which way (laughs) because scrubs have done like very similar things of how like you can't save every patient that kind of thing uh and like yeah they uh they they 100 percent kind of took that from mash (laughs) yeah mash is very influential absolutely yeah dude this is a good piece, you know? I liked also how at the end of the scene, they kind of wrapped it up. After Henry's quote there, um, Hawkeye was like, well, I know what I can do like to save one young man from dying in one... This one doctor can save this one soldier. And he runs over to, to Ron Howard and he grabs Major Houlihan and tells her like, hey, this kid's 15. Get some military police. Guard him. He's going home. And Ron Howard's like, Hey, you're you're a jerk. Like I hate you. <laughs> and I'm going to hate you for all my life. And Hawkeye pauses and is like, "I hope it's a long, healthy hate." And I'm like, "Ah. So good cuz he really did just save this kid's life. He's 15." Yeah. Uh like you shouldn't be in war when you're 15 even <laughs> if you're trying to impress a girl. Very very good. Hawkeye, love him. Love Ron Howard. Again, Ron Howard's whole performance, we haven't gone into it, but I thought his whole bit in this episode was also very good. If the episode was just Tommy and without the Ron Howard, I feel like it wouldn't have worked as well. Mm-hmm. But because we have these two storylines kind of intersecting each other, it really kind of sold it and like made it intertwine and like holistic, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I really like how at the end, the very end, um, it kind of came back to comedy after being so hard hitting, it wouldn't be mash, right? Without without some comedy. So at the end, right before the credits, there is this like pinning ceremony for Frank and for his purple because heart. He- did get the purple heart. Yeah, apparently he got approved. <laughs> so Radar and Henry are presenting it to him, and it turns out that Hawkeye steals Frank's purple heart and gives it to Walter. And Ron Howard goes, Wow, Hawkeye, you got that really fast. And <laughs> Hawkeye was like, Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it, because he stole it from Frank. It was really, yeah. really funny. No, it was, uh, again, very well written, like, just having this very much a joke thing come back at the end to kind of give Ron Howard something to go home with uh, was very good. Yeah. And I was a little disappointed that they they did that, just kind of character-wise, like, I wish Ron Howard realized that, like, this girl that he's <laughs> in the army for isn't good enough, because she broke up with him because this other kid came home with a medal from the army. Uh, and he's like, I'm gonna go get a medal, and then he then he does get a medal, like coincidentally. But like Hawkeye tells him, like, listen, is a girl really worth it? Like, do you want yeah. a girl who's gonna break up with you over not having a military medal at 15? <laughs> 
it kind of undercut that a bit, but like it tied it in so well with Frank's comedy storyline that like you gotta give it a pass. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just can't believe how many people kind of just like went into the army to <laughs> impress other people because we got that in the episode Edwina too. Like she went into the mm-hmm. war <laughs> to, to like to find a man, find a man, and I then ranted about. <laughs> oh my god! So. So weird. <laughs> the, the military is just popping off to find <laughs> to yeah. find a ro- romance. Ugh, so so strange. <laughs> but do you have anything else to say about this episode other than the fact that it was really good? <laughs> okay, so one thing we completely skipped over was this little subplot about Hawkeye trying to go on a date with this uh, oh, yeah. this nurse, and at one point their date is interrupted. Because there's a fight in the OR and these guys are like yelling about how he stole his salami and it was just like ridiculous. And my favorite line though that was like a comedic line was he gives the guys over to Radar to like watch and he he tells Radar like, if anything happens again, beat these guys senseless with their own salamis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was such like a weird thing to throw in there. I was uh, I was like I guess it was filler for time, but I don't yeah, know. Like, it was just we're so a minute strange. short. Yeah, right. And we gotta have some comedy in here. Like we're still a, a sitcom, oh so goodness. why not have two guys fight over salami? And we got a really good line about it. So like whatever. What do you think? What was your favorite bit that we haven't mentioned yet? So I thought that that was cute. I thought that it was really funny how just every time Hawkeye was trying to get with his nurse, (laughs) he was interrupted and had to be called away. But one thing that we didn't mention in the beginning of the episode, when Tommy first comes into the OR and Hawkeye introduces Tommy to Henry, Tommy like full on kisses Henry on the mouth. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was so funny. And I can imagine that it was kind of... Like, I wouldn't say groundbreaking because it wasn't really played that way. No, that wasn't that wasn't a romantic kiss at all. No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely not. But I can imagine that it was very like shocking almost because I'm sure <laughs> that that was that had to be one of the first times like guys like kissed on the mouth like on TV <laughs> because this is the uh, maybe this is the time period when that kind of like started happening. So I just thought it was really funny for like the time. It was definitely played for laughs and it wasn't romantic or supposed to be any kind of like oh, yeah. social thing at all. But I just thought it was really funny and how it must have been very like, oh Henry my God, two men so kissing. Awkward. <laughs> I know Henry it was so was funny. so awkward afterwards <laughs> and it was really funny because to be fair, if anybody just randomly kissed me and be like, yeah, uh, hello, <laughs> uh, <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> this was really well balanced too. This episode was really funny, and also when it wanted to be, it was really, like, hard-hitting. And that's something that I applaud for this, is that it wasn't, like, a complete downer the entire time, Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel like the jokes undercut the more important moments. They, uh, they, They balanced it very well. Yeah, I definitely agree. So I do have a little bit of trivia on our guest actors. So the actor who played Tommy, his name is James Callahan, and he actually served in the army during the Korean War. So I thought that that was pretty cool. 
He worked for the Postal Service, which, very, very important. Everyone wants their letters. Yeah, support your local post office. (laughs) He had a recurring role in three 1960s sitcoms called Wendy and Me, Convoy, and The Governor and J.J., all of which I have never seen, but would definitely check out if I ever found them. The Governor and JJ sounds like the name of like an indie band. Uh, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> that is so funny. But I, I've never heard of those either. But I'm sure, because he is really good in this episode. Yeah, I'm absolutely. sure those shows are at least mildly interesting because he, he's in them and he does a good job. I bet he's a good actor in other such things yeah and he unfortunately he passed away in 2007 at the age of 76 so 76 is a pretty good a run pretty, a pretty good run right so we love you james callahan <laughs> yeah good actor so and then as ethan and i were saying before we have a love for ron howard i would say oh yeah you and i have a pretty I... pretty big fangirl uh, just moment about Ron Howard. <laughs> I fangirled pretty hard over Ron Howard. I I love Ron Howard. I think he's great. He's obviously been an actor and director forever. Like he was a child actor on uh what was it? What what show was he on? So I don't know if it was his very first role, but it was definitely his first like recurring role, the role that really made him into an actor. He was on the Andy Griffith show and he played Opie and he was so cute and so adorable. He was like five. If you ever get a chance to watch it, if you know Ron Howard and you haven't seen the Andy Griffith show and scenes that he's in, amazing. He is the cutest little kid. But he's also, as an actor, he's in American Graffiti, which is one of my all time favorite movies by George Lucas before he did Star Wars. Uh, He does a very good teenage performance in there. And he's such like a handsome kid. Uh like yeah. his like his jawline in this episode, <laughs> I was like, that's insane. This kid's got such a defined jaw. But of course, he he is more well known today as as a really Bef- big before, director. Before you get to that though, he was also on Happy Days, which if oh, yes, I have course. to say if anyone listening has not seen Happy Days, please watch it. I haven't Amazing. seen Happy Days. Oh my god, are you serious? I've never seen no, a Ethan. second Happy Days. Ethan, Happy All Days is so good. All I know about so Happy Days is that they jump the shark. That's Ugh. where that comes from. Yes, well, that is true, but just just watch Happy Days until that episode. Okay. Amazing. Fantastic. I will watch Happy Days. I, I forgot that he was on that. Yeah, and he's also the narrator in Arrested Development, and the narrator in Arrested Development is, like, the best part of that (laughs) show. It's really good, and before we recorded, you said that you actually haven't seen Arrested Development, or you didn't know that he was the narrator in it. Yeah, I didn't know. fix that immediately, (laughs) because it's the best. Ron Howard is more well-known today as a director. In fact, I would say that he is a director that has also acted in the past rather than a actor who is a director as well uh he's directed so many like good movies not all of them are like incredible but a beautiful mind is i think still a really great movie which he directed and i think one best director for he did a movie called rush with uh chris hemsworth which is really fun uh, he also did the Solo, Han Solo Star Wars movie, which I didn't like at all, but still 
greatest bit for that movie was that they had Ron Howard narrate the entire (laughs) Star Wars trilogy like it was an episode of Arrested Development, and they edited it like it was, and it's on the Star Wars YouTube channel, and I watched that video a lot. It's one of my favorite things. That, that is so seen. funny. I love Ron Howard. But when I was looking up Ron Howard, actually, um, he did so many movies that I literally had no idea. Like he directed Apollo 13, um, How the Grinch oh, Stole yeah, Christmas, that's a great The movie. Da Vinci Code, Cinderella Man, and this movie Ransom. I don't know if you know it, but it is such a good movie. I was He's shocked. He's a great director. I was shocked. Needless to say, we just love Ron Howard. So, just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Verabalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And until next time, don't fight people over salami. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone.